listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, we are going to talk about leads. We're starting a series on leads and lead generation. And I thought we might start with a rather funny story if you want to hear a funny story. Always. So I shared briefly this with you. I woke up early this morning, like five o'clock, and my brain was racing. And I came downstairs. I knew we were going to cut this episode on lead generation today. So I sat down. I said, I'm going to write an article on this. So I'm going to write Lead Management 101. And it was sort of against sort of the arc of a couple of the episodes in the series. Worked on it for an hour and a half. I realized in the process, this is like a piece of pillar content. So I should look at other assets in the Rattleback library and point to those things. So I do a quick search to see what's there. And then I realized that I wrote an article almost identical to what I just wrote three years prior. <laughs> the good news was, as we talk about intellectual capital and we're coming off that, is that we always talk about this idea of building a body of work around a topic. And so I guess the good news was that my thinking was still pretty cogent, that what I said three or four years ago was pretty similar to what I was saying now. So I guess maybe without realizing it, my thinking has crystallized on these topics. And so I, maybe I am qualified to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're definitely qualified to talk about it. Highly qualified, I would say. And, you know, I'm not surprised by what you say or said there because it really is an evergreen topic. And no matter what type of technology or latest marketing fad there is, lead generation and lead management and lead nurturing are just a critical discipline. And I don't think most firms understand how to do it. They think in terms of, I need leads, go get me leads, right? Like, there's a switch you can flip on <laughs> when you want leads and they appear. Yeah, no. And I, I actually think it's even worse than that. I think that there's most firms I've bumped in through the years don't even know how to think about leads. So to your point, not only turn the switch on, but the switch is supposed to deliver something that isn't even a, the, the proper idea of a lead. And the example I'll give, I've given it over and over again, is that in a lot of firms, a lead is a project, which is not true. I always say to those firms, I'll say, well, a project can't hire you. Only a person can hire you. A person that has a problem that is solved maybe with a project, right? So their whole frame of thinking on what a lead is and what it means to the firm is broken at the core. And they have to kind of start there and say, time out, wait a minute. We're not talking about projects here. We're talking about people and how we interact with people and how we attract people to do business with us in some way, shape, or form. So, you know, it's it's a pretty deep problem in a lot of firms in, you know, my experience working with firms for the last decade or more. Anyway, that's where I wanted to start was with definitions. And that's the, probably the, the first working definition I give people. First and foremost is a lead is a person. <laughs> it's a, and I always try to also remind them that it's a person in the sense of it's not a piece of data in a database. It's a real person that you're trying to build a relationship with. And even though we talk in, in terms that sort of depersonify things, we always have to come back to, again, you're trying to do business with a person here. And don't lose sight of that, even as you build in things like scoring models and layers and process and management and all that stuff. Don't lose sight of every data point moving through there as a person. And you need to care about them like you care about a person. I'm listening to that. And you think, how can that be? How could a industry, and when I say an industry, particularly right now, I'm talking about professional services, ever get to that point and lose sight of the fact 
that it is a person because we focus so much on relationship and relationship building. And we hold on to these relationships with the client and and that holding on to these individual relationships really do create so much dysfunction in, in firms, you know, past a project, right? It becomes my person, my account, my client. Why does that not get seen at the front end of lead gen and in business development? How, how is that possible? <laughs> That's a great question. It's almost, to me, it's like a donut, by the way. You think about there's a whole industry of project-based stuff that's emerged, right? You know, your business is built on projects. You should run your software based on a project-based CRM, let's say. So you see that a lot of that language kind of playing out that in a lot of, you know, large professional services firms, not all, I mean, not consulting firms and IT services firms necessarily, although sometimes, yes, there's this kind of prevailing wisdom around the fact that your business is a collection of projects and hence you should run it that way. So the reason I described it as a donut is because in the middle are these relationships you manage with real clients that, that are closely held and personal, but at either end of the equation is you know a, a pursuit of projects at the lead stage and a delivery of projects at the you know service delivery stage. So it's sort of like you know this weird donut to me was the best I could describe it where this somehow is getting lost. And I don't know why, but it, but it does happen. Not, not, I shouldn't say all firms. I'm not going to say all firms behave this way. The other mistake I see firms make, and I'm, again, I'm riffing a little bit, but and I, and I wrote this in this article I drafted this morning, the first mistake I see firms make out of the gate, and this is related to a technology implementation, but it's also related to kind of the fundamentals of marketing in the firm. When they stand up a CRM, the first thing they do is they shut off the leads database. So they say, we don't need a leads tab. We don't use leads. We really only build deep working relationships with prospects and clients. We know them really well. We know who they are. And so we're only going to use that part of the CRM. And that makes total sense if you are doing only referral-based marketing and you are going to, to collapse your the sphere of influence for your business into the, the, the known network which you can extend to. But I would argue that that's a really unhealthy place to be as a business. You know, you need your marketing organization to stand up a high quality leads database of people that are interested in what you have to say, that are engaged with your thought leadership, with are engaged with your point of view, that are potential future clients to be in that inner circle. And if you don't have that, that inner circle is sort of ripe for failure because that, you know, that there's always people leaving that circle. They're retiring, they're moving to new careers. And so you have to have a system to expand that circle all the time. You know, again, I, I describe it as a technology mistake, but I actually think it's bigger than technology. It's, it's sort of a misunderstanding of the, the role that marketing can and should play in building a healthy firm. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And, you know, it's, it's kind of the quintessential example of overlaying technology on a <laughs> dysfunctional process or culture, right? It's, you think putting that technology in somehow kind of fixes things when really it just highlights things that are probably already suboptimal. One might even say broken. So yeah. I'm I'm not surprised to hear you say that because I've I've seen that a lot in my experience. There are instances when it makes total sense, and I also totally understand it. In a lot of firms, 
what do the partners really care about at the end of the day? They care about growing the revenue base, growing the, the actual physical client base. And so for a lot of partners, they don't really want to talk to anybody until they're walking in the door with a problem in hand that and money to spare, right? Exactly. And I, I always feel like that's a little bit of a short, it's a, well, I shouldn't say a little, it's a, it's a lot short-sighted, right? You, know, you always need to be having discussions with clients much earlier than that. Those discussions can be through your thought leadership, right? It's not like you have to physically be in the room all the time. You can use your thought leadership as a proxy for those conversations. One of the things I used to love to do, I haven't done it in a long time. I used to look at the referral sources to our website and I would look at the top 20 referral sources. And what was really interesting is I noticed at one point that there would be referral sources coming clearly from corporate intranets. So I could see you know, URL strings of corporate intranets that were referral sources into our website. And what that told me was that, you know, I was having conversations inside of those firms without knowing it because there were people inside the firm sharing our thinking between each other, across each other in boardrooms or whatever. And to me, that's a, that's a conversation, right? It's a digital conversation where I'm not present, which is even better in some instances, as you know, from talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's better to have a conversation with you when you're not in the room. <laughs> yeah, it's way better, isn't it? <laughs> or not even, not even audible. You can't hear me. You're way better off. Anyway, but that's, I don't know where I, how we got there, but, but that was something that I saw. I went off track. Pull me back on track. Well, it's, Getting back to what is a lead, and this is evergreen because the types of firms that we deal with, these knowledge-driven firms, are operating around complex issues with sophisticated buyers at some of the best companies in the world, and there is a complex sale almost every time. So complex sales are not linear. It's not like they follow a simple process, you know, no matter, you know, how many blue sheets or sales processes you lay out, there is a rhythm to these that is unique. And, you know, even within a a given company and the same buyer. The problem and the sales process associated with bringing it to a project, as you say, is going to be different every time because the complex sale is always going to have a different mix of influencers and decision makers within it. So that creating that healthy lead flow and understanding the leads is so critical. Because you know, a buying process could start two or three years before it actually becomes, you know, an opportunity or something. So you're preaching to the choir on that front. Yeah, and I think that's a really, really great point about how long it can take. One of the things I always like to say about what you just said too is that I see a lot of firms use what you just said as an excuse not to have a model or not to have a plan to say, well, you know. It's too complex. Every situation is different. And so that they use that as an excuse not to have a sales model or not to have a lead generation or lead management model. And I always say, no, you're misinterpreting what that means. What it means is that you absolutely need a plan for how, you're, you, know, how you envision that you are going to bring people you've never known into your firm's marketing machine, if you will. 
and then turn them into conversations on the other side. It will never follow the linear plan that you built, but without a plan, I can promise you that your ability to do that efficiently and effectively and measure it and get better at it is going to be near zero. <laughs> so so you, you have to have a plan even if it never follows the, the plan, right? Mm-hmm. And that's true of, of both generating leads, managing leads, moving from conversation to close through the sale. I mean, all that stuff you have to have a plan for. And I just think it's interesting how firms often try to reject that and say, well, you know, there's no two sentences are the same and no two sellers are the same. There's a million reasons why that will never work, but it's really flawed thinking. Wow. You got my mind racing there. This is why a deep understanding of the buyer's journey is so important. And there is, or there are standard kind of steps along that buyer's journey. And it may be one step forward and two steps back or whatever rhythm it takes. But there is a standard kind of process that that people go through or stages that people go through. And we we talked about this in the intellectual capital series that we did and talked about how intellectual capital should be eliminating the friction in that sales cycle. To me, you know, you can't identify and eliminate friction unless you have the process and, and an understanding of leads the way you're describing it. Because you can't make it better Unless you put a stake in the ground and start looking at it and start understanding where improvements can be made in order to to generate and nurture leads. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. You're 100% right. I totally agree. And I I also think it's interesting in that when you dissect that journey, and as you know, early on in one of our early episodes, I think I mapped out our sort of four-stage model for hiring and buying, how it happens. And when you understand it, it enables you to have better conversations about your prospective client and really where they are in that journey and trying to get your head underneath of, you know, what stage of the journey are they in and how can you help them? And, and, and just use always coming back to that metaphor that modern sales is helping. It's not persuading, it's helping. And so it enables you to have, you know, better questions to ask at better points to really understand where someone is and to your point, then pinpoint where kind of where, where are they in this journey, and how can I help them get to the next stage, whether it's with us or with somebody else, if we're not the right fit for whatever reason. I guess my 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 thought is in in modern marketing and selling, and I use modern loosely, right? But but <laughs> <laughs> what is modern? But it's highly critical, right? If you don't have it, I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. So you said something that really resonated with me, and I wonder how many people think this way. But it really does create, you know, that, that kind of trite paradigm shift, if you will, is what you said about selling is about helping and helping people make the right buying decision for them, even if it's not you. I find, that's my sales philosophy, right? Be helpful. That that is liberating in terms of the types of conversations I get to have with clients or prospects. To me, it takes the pressure off and it makes a more meaningful, authentic, 
open and useful conversation with people to know that, hey, if it's not me that could help, we're going to find somebody that can help you solve this problem. And I think those types of conversations probably <laughs> lead more to more ultimate sales than, than not because you're not tied to some expectation of, a, of an outcome. So anyway, I don't, I don't know. I like the way you said that. I like the way you said that. That's actually a good segue because I, I think when you step back to lead generation again and you come back to, okay, if you say, hey, we need, we need leads in our system. We need a healthy body of leads, a healthy database of leads, people that are interacting and engaging with our marketing. How are we going to get them, right? And if you stop and think about it, there's sort of just really two conceptual ways to get them. You know, There's the inbound model and the outbound model, right? And when you talk about sales as helping the way you just did, what's interesting about that and what's made the inbound model such a sort of holy grail model for so many firms is, of course, is it's a whole lot easier to, to live and embody that sales as helping mantra and methodology when the lead occurs inbound, meaning that someone's coming to you because they've engaged with your point of view, they've engaged with your thought leadership, and they said, hey, Jeff, I could really use your help. Help me work through this. Versus it's the other way around where you've you know, built a list, you've identified a bunch of people that you think are the right fit for your services based on their name, their title, and where they work, and you've proactively tried to chase them into a relationship. So in the obviously in the inbound model, that the, the person is leaning into you looking for advice. In the outbound model, they're leaning away from you, trying to kind of say, I don't need your help. I don't need your services. I don't need, you know, I don't need what it is you offer, right? And so I say all this only because it's really important as you're thinking about leads in your organization, you think about how you're going to get leads, you probably need a mix of both. You know, you need a thought leadership agenda, which is why we spent so much time on intellectual capital so that you can think about how do you build a, a compelling and coherent point of view on issues that matter so that people want to have conversations with you. And you probably need an outbound model that's going to put conversations uh, maybe a little more reliably, a little more systematically into your pipeline and into your organization, but know that they're not equal. Right. Know that you know that those those two things are not equal, and that the conversations that result in sales from those two types of models look different. And if you roll that back up to lead flow management and plans, the, the way you manage those leads and the conversations you have are going to look and feel different. So you know, I say all that in a long-winded way of just saying, you know, when you come back to what is a lead. As we get deeper into this topic over a few episodes, you'll see, well, a lead is not a lead is not a lead, right? There's different types of leads. There's different stages of leads. And some of it comes down to how you hope to get leads into the system and what your expectation is for how many leads you need as a firm to be successful. So, and all of that affects the sale, right? It all affects the way the sale progresses. It reflects the way you're treated in the sale by the potential client, the way you treat the client in the sale, all those things are sort of have to be in lockstep. Because if your lead gen strategy is to go pound telephones all day, and then when you walk in the room, you want to exhibit the sales as helping methodology, you may have some trouble because you don't have the client's trust yet to do that. So it's it's just an interesting comment. Wow. Yes. Yes. This, this is going to be a fun a fun series. I bet you every day I get some kind of email coming in on LinkedIn or over the website about lead generation services. I just laugh when I see those things come through and and partners and firms 
are always looking for the easy way, right? I just want leads. Just give me leads. Hey, I can pay this guy, you know, and he'll do all the cold calling, which I actually hate. You know, I I don't want to do any cold calling. He's going to serve me up quality leads. And all I'm going to do is have a conversation with them and life is going to be grand. And those things just, they never work. They never work because of what you're saying and where we're going to go about what is a lead and what's a quality lead and why it's so important to make that distinction. It's going to be fun. I want to go back quickly to your inbound and outbound. Yeah. And maybe add a third. Oh, cool. Maybe not a third. (laughs) No, no, it, it, it probably isn't a third. It's not a third, but as, you know, as a CMO, I, how you think about it and how you set up processes to attack it is, is an important distinction for me, right? I'm so nuanced and gray and it depends, right? But I see your uh, event diagram of, of inbound and outbound and where those overlap to me and my thinking is really about the account strategy, right? You talked about the outbound of identifying, you know, who you want to work with and the inbound. You do that to some degree and you write your point of view to them and attract them. But to me, the real magic can happen where those overlap, where we clearly have called our shots and we see those shots interacting with us from an inbound perspective and how we categorize and approach those leads I think is different than maybe some others as well. Getting back to, you know, our sales process and and how we work with these leads. So you might argue, well, that's not really all that nuanced or that different. Or you may say, well, that's just silly, Jeff. No, it's interesting. I, I had never thought about it that way. And it's probably because I get a little bit mentally blocked by the barriers created by Salesforce in terms of what accounts really physically are in a piece of technology, which is a mistake. But I really like your your, your frame on that, because I think we can relate to it. And I'll just use a quick example before we wrap for the day. But you know, how often does this happen to you? And I'm sure it happens to our listeners. You have an inbound inquiry. Someone reaches out to you and starts a conversation with you about X, Y, or Z. Obviously, that one person is not the sole decision maker. So as, as you work through the process with that firm and that person, it leads you to other decision makers. And as it turns out, those other decision makers, some of them have no knowledge of you and your firm and what you do and your brand relevance, as you like to talk about. And some of them do. And some of them maybe are aware of you through some outbound efforts you've done, right? So there's this intersection at account strategy because now you're you're trying to build a relationship with this account, multiple people inside of it. Some of them have a relationship with you inbound. Some of you have to have a relationship with you outbound or some other means, and you're trying to navigate through that. And so I think that's a really smart way to look at it. I want to close with one thought, and it's a real simple thought. And you know, at the front of this, I said, well, what what is a lead, right? And I'm just going to kind of put forth my most simple definition of this that I like the most. So so the first part of it is actually came from Blair. And Blair always described a lead as a clue to a sale. And it's the idea that it's basically any person that potentially could buy from you now or at some point in the future until you have reason to disqualify them from that. So I always tell our clients that any new you know, person into that marketing database is a lead until proven otherwise, meaning that if they come in inbound until you disqualify them by saying that either they don't met, meet the profile of your lead or they're literally not a, you know, a person that could ever hire you because it's you know, 
an inquiry from someone to provide services to you or something along those lines, they're all leads, regardless of how you put them in the system. The lead management process is designed to help you make sense of those. So the act of getting a lead is just putting really a, a person in the database, no matter how many, how you got them there. How you manage them and how you qualify them and what you do with them is a different conversation. And that's sort of where I, I, I intend to take us really in the next episode. Hopefully we'll be able to do that in one episode. It might take a couple. I don't know. That sounds good. I like that. I like that. Like I said, this can be fun. And, okay. and this is this is so pragmatic. It really is because there isn't necessarily an infinite supply of leads. So being able to identify leads, capture them, and make the most of them is so critical. And, and making the most of them is, is multidimensional as well, because we think of leads as, well, they have to get to a project and generate revenue. But I would argue leads can do a lot more things than just be directly tying a person to an opportunity that leads to a project. And we should talk through some of that stuff as well, because it's a more expansive definition of what a lead is and its value to a firm. Yeah, I actually think that's a really great point. And I would say, let's make sure that becomes part of this arc, because I do think it's a really, really great point that you should not lose sight of, that there are people in your leads database that will never hire you, but are maybe even more valuable than some of the people that end up do hiring you. And being aware of that and knowing how to think about that and manage that is, is really important. All right, that's a wrap. We're through episode one of this journey. And as you know, our next episode is episode 100. So we haven't even agreed exactly what we're going to do for that, but we're going to do something different probably. So we may, may not, we may not actually be right in this leads arc next episode. So stay tuned for what that is. See you, buddy. All right. See ya. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.